So now you know what happens when you try to mess with the preacher <laughs> on Sunday mornings. Uh, the Lord is with me. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I know he's with me. So a little bit of explanation. Our staff is, uh, we always try to engage in some activity from time to time, a couple times a year that remind us to have fun together, that we're not just, you know, here to work together, but we enjoy each other's company and it draws us closer together. And so we are doing a, a game that is probably failing at all of those things. Uh, we call it Nerf Assassin. And so um, everybody gets a Nerf gun, everybody gets a name, who is their target, somebody else on staff, and they have to find an opportunity outside of the office, outside of work-related things, to shoot their target with a Nerf gun, and that person is eliminated, and then they get a new target, and you play until there's just one person left, and that person wins a gift card to Tin West. So, it's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be like bringing us together, it is not doing that. So, <laughs> uh, what, is, what is happening is uh, suddenly, I don't know where to park, you know, because uh, everybody normally parks in the same spot, but everybody knows where I park, and if I park in the same spot, somebody's going to shoot me. So I have to park somewhere different. Suddenly, like, I have learned to just hold it all day. Because if you go to the restroom, there might be somebody waiting outside to shoot you. So I can't go to the restroom. I can't park in the same spot anymore. Uh, it's, it's terrifying, honestly. Uh, the anxiety level for everyone has gone way up. Um, so no one's getting any work done. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. We're getting work done. Don't fire us, <laughs> please. Uh, but we are having a good time. Uh, so what happens is when you raise the stakes, there's a prize for the winner. There's consequences if you lose. Everyone makes fun of you. By the way, Justin, our student pastor, first one out. First one out. So... Uh, um, so there's consequences, there's like shame on one side and then there's this prize on the other side. And when you raise the stakes like that, uh, anxiety goes up, you know, because now suddenly the walk from the car to the building is more important than it's ever been, right? You know, the walk from, uh, well, Justin was eliminated in his own garage. He's working in his own garage and someone snuck in and shot him. <laughs> so that's what happens when you raise the stakes, when there are consequences that you care about and that matter. And that's why we're doing this series, this new series called Enough Already, Enough Already. This is going to uh, introduce us to some ideas about how we think about our finances and material possessions and our wealth, right? Do we think about it in terms of, I wish I had more or I have enough already? Which, who's happier, the man with five children or the man with five million dollars? The man with five children because he has enough already. <laughs> he, he doesn't want any more, right? That's, that's what we're talking Do I have enough already? And if I have enough, then I am free to live in an open-handed way. Open-handed versus a closed fist. Our tendency, because the stakes feel so high when it comes to our money, the stakes feel really high, and our tendency is to live like this with a closed fist. And we hold on to it, because I don't want you to take it, and I don't want anybody to get it from me, and I just... I just got to hold on tight to this. It's mine, right? But when we have enough already, we get to live like this. And that's the way we're created to live. But that's very countercultural from the world that we live in. 
isn't it? That's, that's not the way the world really works. That's not the way most people function. In fact, there's a lot of stress and anxiety in our world related to finances. And what the way this, this shows up in most people's lives, there's a few different ways. One is that we're afraid that we're going to lose what we have. We're afraid we're going to lose what we have. Because nothing is certain. We, we know this. Especially if you invest. If you're investing anything in, in retirement or in your future, you know every investment involves some level of risk. Maybe, maybe you're a really low-risk investor. Maybe you're a medium. Maybe you're a high-risk investor. But every investment involves some level of risk. And maybe you have a fear or anxiety about losing what you've invested. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe 10 years ago when we had the economic crisis, maybe you lost and you're afraid of losing again. Uh, for other people, the, the fear is not having enough. I'm not, I don't think I have enough to get to the end of the month. I don't think I have enough to send my kids to college. I don't think I have enough to buy Christmas gifts this year. I don't think I have enough for retirement. And that fear, that anxiety of not having enough, you'll lose sleep over that. You'll get ulcers over that. And, and the third way I think that this, this plays into our lives is when it comes to how we see other people. We look at other people and we see what they have and then we compare that to what we have and we make judgments about them and about ourselves. If you have more than me, the temptation is to go, well, that's not fair. That's, I mean, how, what do they do to deserve that? Why, why should they have more than me? If you have less than me, the temptation is to go, well, you, you know, that's, that's what you've earned. If you would work harder, if you would do better, you know, maybe you'd have more. The temptation is to base value on other people and on myself based on what I have. And, and if you have more than me, then, then you must think you're more valuable than me. Or maybe I think you're more valuable than me. If you have less than me, my temptation is to think I'm more valuable than you, more important, or I'm a harder worker. And all of those things create this level of stress and anxiety about money that that, that impact us in, in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that it shows up most frequently and most tragically in our society is in marriages. Uh, magnifymoney.com is a, is a financial uh, online resource. Did a study uh, recently of divorced people. And they, they asked them what kind of role financial stress or conflict over money played in their divorce. 21% of all the people they they interviewed who are divorced said, 21% said, money conflict is the reason our marriage didn't make it. Money conflict. And, and, and maybe, maybe you were tempted to think, well, the people that don't have enough, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But the actual statistics say that for people that made $100,000 or more, the, the rate is higher. 33% of those people said that conflict over money is the reason their marriage didn't make it. So it's not about who has more and who has less and those people are more susceptible. We're all susceptible to this. It creates stress and anxiety in our lives. And it shows up in our relationships with each other and it shows up in our relationship with God. So is this just the way life is? Is it just, well, this is how the world works. We're going to have financial stress. We're going to be anxious about money and we just need to try to manage it, you know, in the least destructive way. Or... Is there a way to live free from financial stress? If there's a way to do that, are you interested? I am. So maybe this is for me. <laughs> you all can listen in as God and I have this conversation. I am very interested in living without financial stress. So I'm going to go to the person that I think is the wisest person to ever walk on this planet. His name is Jesus. 
and I'm going to find out what Jesus has to say about being free from financial stress, and I'm going to try to put into practice what he teaches me. So, you with me? Excellent. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be. If you have a Bible, uh, you can open there. You can follow along on the screen with us or just listen to my melodious voice as I read this. Here, here's the thing. This passage, if you have financial stress in your life, this passage can absolutely change your life. It's transformational. This is not just good advice from Dave Ramsey, okay? This is words from Jesus, the Son of God, who knows your heart inside and out. He knows exactly what you need. This can change your life. So lean in. Here we go. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat, and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's a lot going on here. And I think at first glance, if you've never read this before or heard this before, it's easy to kind of step back from this and think, yeah, that sounds nice, but that's not realistic. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or whether you're going to have clothes to wear. Jesus, I mean, come on, we have to eat. We really ought to wear clothes. All, all of us, all the time. We, these are needs. We have to do this. So doesn't it make sense that we would worry about this? Well, first off, it's important to say, it's important to note that Jesus doesn't tell us not to worry about money. What does he say? Do not be anxious about what? Your life. Don't be anxious about your life. Your life. Because what we tend to do is, is think that my life the value of my life, the quality of my life, is based on how much I have. And Jesus says, those are two completely different things. How much you have in the bank, or what kind of car you drive, or how much you have put back for retirement, has zero correlation to your value as a human being. So don't, don't worry about it. Isn't that so helpful? Don't you find that really helpful when you're stressed about something, and someone comes along and puts a hand on your shoulder and says, don't worry it'll be fine. Don't you find that to be the most helpful advice that people can give? 
No. Usually, we don't find that helpful at all. Usually, it makes us want to smack somebody, right? Because that's not helpful, right? So is Jesus being not helpful? Well, uh, worry, the way that it works is you can't just pick it up and take it out of your life. Worry has to be forced out because you're being filled with something else. It's like, uh, have you ever tried to wash like a bottle? Like maybe you think about trying to wash a two-liter bottle. You want to get it clean? So maybe you put some soap down in there and some water and it gets really soapy. And now you've got soap in your two-liter bottle. How do you get that out? So I, I tried the method where you, you put a little water in, swish it around, and dump it out. Do you know how long it'll take to get the soap out that way? Forever. It just won't work. It doesn't happen. How do you get the soap out? You fill the bottle with clean water and keep filling it and keep filling it and keep filling it until it overflows and overflows and overflows and it pushes the soap out, right? That's how you do that in case you want to post that on Pinterest later. So that's how worry works in our lives. Worry can't just be removed. It has to be forced out because you have filled your life with something else. So Jesus is not being unhelpful when he says don't be anxious about your life. Jesus is saying, listen, you don't have to be anxious because I'm going to tell you what you can fill your life with that will push worry right out. It'll force it right out of your life. There will not be space for anxiety over money in your life if you do what I tell you to do. Does that sound good? So what does he tell us to do? He says to seek first the kingdom of God. Instead of worrying, seek the kingdom of God. This is what we're replacing, this is what we're filling our lives with so that worry has no room. Now why would we seek the kingdom of God? Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's go to verse 29. <clears throat> Jesus says, Do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. Okay? For all the nations of the world seek after these things. Jesus says, look, Everyone is chasing this stuff. Everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to drink. And everyone wants more of what they already have. But here's where he says something I think that we can really skip over pretty easily, but we need to hone in on these next couple words. Because our tendency, again, is to attach our value as human beings to how much we have. And the more I have, the more I'm worth as a person, the more important I am. And the less I have, the less that person is. If somebody has less than me, well, they're just not, you know, as significant or important, or maybe they don't work as hard, or they're just not smart enough. And our value is tied to what we have. And Jesus wants us to separate that out. And so he says, here's, here's why you don't need to worry. All, all the nations are running after these things, but your Father knows. Your Father knows. In Jesus' culture, the Father was everything. The Father is the center of the family, and everything comes from the Father. Your, your lineage was a big part of, of your, your place in society. The, the land that your family owned was a, a huge part of who you were, is that you're part of your identity, the place where you live. And all of that came from your Father. And the Father gets to decide how to distribute the inheritance. The Father makes choices about who gets what. It's the Father's responsibility to care for the whole family. It all comes down to the Father. And Jesus says, here's what you need to know. You have a Father who knows. The next time you pray about financial stress, remember that your Father knows. Your father knows. Your father, who, who thinks that the ravens, I mean, who likes ravens? They're, they're not, they're, they're kind of mean, 
birds. Your father who likes ravens enough to provide for them. Your father who likes lilies enough that are here today and gone tomorrow to make them beautiful. That father loves you and he knows. He knows exactly the kind of pressure that you're under. He knows exactly what your bank account looks like. He knows exactly what you need to get by this month, what you're going to need to put your kids through college, how much you need to retire. He knows exactly what you need. Your father knows. And then look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you what? Money? No. Jesus never promises that God will give you money. What will he give you? The kingdom. It is your father's good pleasure to give you something way better than money. Your father is the king of a great kingdom. And he's invited you to participate in this kingdom. And in this kingdom, everyone always has enough. Everyone always has enough in this kingdom. So don't be anxious about money. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So let's, let me show you what this looks like a little bit here. Uh, these apples are going to represent apples. And the bowls are going to represent kind of you and your, what you have, your bank account. And the way that we think the world should work, like it seems like if we were in charge, this is how we would set it up. Everyone has the same number of apples. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that seem fair? Like why isn't it that way? But this is not how it works, right? Everybody doesn't have the same. It, it, it works more like this. Right? Some people have a lot. Some people have just enough. And some people don't have enough. This is how the world works. And most of us will see ourselves in either this category or this category. We either think, okay, I've got just enough. Or we think, I don't have enough. Hardly any of us you really look in the mirror and honestly go, I've got way more than I need. <laughs> I have just, I've, ha I've got too much. I've got to get rid of some, everything. I've, I've got way too much. So this is how we, we see the world around us. And what we, what we want to do is we want to compare what we have to what everybody else has. And so we look at, we look at our, our two little apples and we go, man, this is just, this is just barely getting it, getting it by. You know what would be nice? It would be nice if, if I had some of his apples, you know? So I wonder if there's anything I can do to get his apples because... I mean, he probably doesn't deserve them. I don't, there's no way he works as hard as I do. Like, I wonder, if I, could, I wonder if I could get a promotion. I wonder if I could get a better job. I wonder if I could start my own business. I wonder if I could get, I wonder if I could get that person's apples. Or, or you know what would be really nice? Because we can look over here and we can go, well, there are definitely people that have less than I have. Wouldn't it be nice if this guy would give some of his apples to that person? Right? It, that's not my responsibility. I've barely got enough as it is. But, I mean, this guy... He's got way more than he needs. Shouldn't he be sending apples this way, right? And it's easy to, to pass the buck, to not embrace our responsibility in this process. So what we do is we hold on really tightly to what we have. This is mine. I worked hard. I earned this. It's mine. And I'm, I'm afraid that somebody's going to take it away from me. I'm afraid that it's not going to be enough. I'm afraid that it means I'm less valuable than the people who have more. And we live, we live in this fear. But what if we stopped for a moment to think about where the apples come from? Where do they come from? Where do apples come from? 
Washington, correct. And so what if, what if we knew that there was an infinite apple orchard out there somewhere? Infinite. We understand infinite? No end to the number of apples in this apple orchard. What if we knew there was an infinite apple orchard out there and we happen to have the cell phone number of the owner of the infinite apple orchard? And we happen to know that he, he kind of likes us. And, and that if, if, I, if I needed more apples, all I would have to do is call up the owner of the infinite apple orchard and say, hey, um, if things are pretty tight right now and I really, I really need some help. And that he, because he's infinitely wealthy and he loves you, would just send some more apples your way. Or he would call this guy and say, hey, you're, you, you got a buddy over here who is struggling this month. Do you, do you think you could spare a couple apples and send them down, down the road? Right? That, that's how the church is supposed to work. When you read about the church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, and, and Jesus even says it here in Luke 12, sell your possessions and give away the money. If, if I'm like this, I don't feel like I have enough to give away. But the economy of the kingdom is different than the economy of the world. And in the economy of the kingdom, I can, I can give this apple here. I, I could even give this one. Because I know the owner of the infinite apple orchard. And all I got to do is call him and say, hey, so, so you, you gave me two apples. Oops, I gave them away. <laughs> Can you help me out? And, and he's going to call somebody else who, who's got extra and, and, then, and then we have enough and he's still got more than enough and I have enough and they have enough and this is how the church is supposed to work. This is the way the church is supposed to look in our community. This, this open-handed generosity and it's only possible if we loosen our grip. If I'm holding on so tight to what I have, what, what's going to happen if I squeeze these apples really tight for a long time? <laughs> They're going to get gross. They're going to get mushy. Like, even holding on tight to what I have makes what I have less valuable and less useful to me. Because I, I can't let it go. I'm so afraid. But if I can loosen my grip and let God decide what happens with what I have, I don't ever have to worry. Because my father is infinitely wealthy. He's extremely generous. And he loves me. I live in a kingdom where the king knows my name. And he's got all of this stuff at his disposal. And he loves me. What in the world do I have to worry about? The truth that we need to hold on to, the truth that's going to fill us up and push worry out is this. God provides enough. And I'm free to live without fear. God has provided enough and I'm free to live without fear. And listen, this is, there is so much freedom here. The moment that you stop worrying about having enough is the moment that you find out that you have enough already. The moment that you stop trying to take care of yourself and build security for yourself is the moment that you find out that you've been safe and secure all along because you have a father who's infinitely wealthy and he loves you. So what we're doing is we're changing the currency. Money is just currency, right? Money is not food. You can't eat money. You shouldn't do that. 
Money, you can't build your house out of money. It's just currency. You use money to buy the things that you need. And what Jesus is doing here is he is changing the currency of your life. He's inviting you into a kingdom that operates off of a different currency. There's a different thing that you can now exchange to get what you need. And the currency of the kingdom of God is generosity. It feels very backwards. You're like, wait a minute. I get by giving? Like, I, if I give it away, then that's how I get what I need? Yes. I know, it doesn't make any sense. But that's how the kingdom of God works. Generosity is the currency. My generosity allows me to, to receive the peace and joy and purpose I was created to live with. It is the currency of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is changing our currency. Because he has provided enough, I am free to give without fear. I am free to give without fear. Giving should stretch us, but it shouldn't be scary. We shouldn't be afraid to give because we have a generous and wealthy Father who loves us. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Um, would you stand for a second, please? Hold your hands out like this. Make two fists. Squeeze tight while I talk. Just keep squeezing tight. Right? So this is the way that most people in the world live. This is the way that you're, you're going to be taught to live. Right? If you, if you look at the way the world works, the, your investment opportunities, the, your, the commercials on TV, this is the way that we're taught to live. What I have is mine. And I want more. I need more. In fact, I would worry less if I just had a little more. Have you ever thought that? Well, I wouldn't worry about money so much if I had more of it, right? But there are people that you know that have more than you have, and they still worry. That, that's, that's not going to work. But this is how we live, right? How does this feel? Does this feel relaxing and peaceful? No. How long can you do this? Huh? Not much longer, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, let go. How does that feel? There's peace here. Th this is this posture that says, I have enough already. I have enough. God has provided me with enough. So I'm free. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of people taking from me. Do you want to take from me? Go ahead and take from me. And that may sound foolish. I don't like my car. I don't like my house. If I got something that you really need, just take it. <laughs> I don't like, except for my children. I mean, don't take them, but like, like I, I have enough, right? This is the way that we're designed to live. There's freedom and peace here, isn't there? That, that means I, I'm, I'm free to give. I'm free to take a little bit of what I have and give it to you. Because as long as my hands are open, God can put something back in there. God can't put anything back in my hands when they're like this. It's only when they're like this. This is an experiment in open-handed living. You can have a seat. Here's the experiment for this week. So an experiment means that you're going to try something out and find out if it works. You're going you're to try this. You're going to put this into practice and find out if it works. So the challenge for this week, we're going to do this every week, give you a challenge, an experiment, is to give up something that you normally spend money on and give away the money that you save. So think about your, your bank statement, your credit card statement. What is something that shows up every month that you normally spend money on that you don't really need? Is there anything on there that you don't really need? For my family, uh, what we've decided to do, we, we order out pizza every Friday night. 
like Pizza House or Pizza King or something like that. And uh, we usually go out to lunch on Sundays after church. Those are, those are two things that show up every, every week, every month on our, on our bank statement. We don't really need that. So for the month of October, we're giving up ordering out pizza and we're giving up Sunday lunches out. And we're going to take that money. We have a very specific uh, thing that we want to do with it. Uh, we have a friend who's a missionary in Europe and her daughter is a freshman in college in Tennessee. So her daughter's in Knoxville. The family is in Hungary, right? Um, they're missionary families, so they don't have much. Uh, they, they're, they're a one apple family. And they really want their daughter to be able to come home for Christmas. But it's an expensive plane ticket. So we're going to take pizza and going out to eat money from October, and we're going to put it towards a plane ticket for our friend to go home for Christmas. That's what we're going to do. What can you do? Just for the month of October, it's just an experiment. I'm not saying you have to live this way the rest of your life. But what are you willing to try and just see if it works? What shows up on your bank statement, on your credit card statement once a month that you could do without? You just, you'll be fine. And how can you use what you would have spent there to bless somebody else? It's an experiment in open-handed living. It, it's, it's a way to kind of go from this to this. Most of us don't think we're doing this until somebody asks us to give something away. And then we're like, uh-uh, oh, it's mine. No, I don't, mm -mm. no, I earned this. I worked hard. It's mine. You can live that way. It's not very fun. This is much better. Do not be anxious about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what kind of car you're going to drive, how you're going to get your kids through college, when are you going to be able to retire. Do not be anxious about your life. All the nations run after these things, and you have a Father who knows exactly what you need. And it is, it is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, sell your possessions, give to those in need. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for providing enough. It's a difficult thing for us to admit most of the time that we have enough. We don't need more. And my prayer is, God, that you would impress on our hearts that we can live in an open-handed way. We can live in a generous way that honors you, the giver of all good things, and honors the people around us so that we can make sure that everyone around us has enough as well. Would you put that on our hearts as a church family? Would you use us to show generosity to people in our lives, in our community? And God, may we find peace and joy and purpose when we let go and trust you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.